Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to uh, the next episode with the Life Success Legacy Podcast. I'm Chris Bay, joined by Michael Crawford. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing very well. It's good to see you. Yeah, same. We're in uh, we're in different states right now. Usually, we are probably within a mile or two of each other. Pretty much, <laughs> but a um, little different. I'm actually my wife and I are out in Buena Vista, Colorado, in an Airbnb, and uh, it's beautiful out here. It's probably about 78 degrees and 13 percent humidity. So if you see a fly cruising around here, it's because we've got the windows and the doors open and all, and enjoying it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, Michael Crawford, uh, the last podcast you were on this and we're flipping it around a little bit. You were interviewing Mike Kwong. Yeah. And um, actually, it's been interesting because we've got um, quite a few reach outs from people after that specific interview. Um, yeah. Some of the yeah things- I knew it was an important interview. His impact on the team recently has been pretty, pretty intense, you know, I mean, in a good way. And um he and his wife both are so well connected within certain groups and different agencies that we affiliate with that he, you know, getting that interview done, I think was a really important um, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's busy teaching. In fact, I'll drop Mm. a little plug here because I know there's quite a few people that we've met with that are waiting for this. And that is his new, his new book that we hope is going to be published by the end of this month, um, by the end of September. Um, called Dibs on Your Money. And it's really a a fascinating book that really walks people through their learning experience Mm -hmm. and how they've kind of cobbled together these different concepts to create what they've created. And people are very interested in in learning about what they've done, me included. Well, his real world experience is a little different than most of ours, right? You know, uh, from a team perspective, you know, he didn't come from a pure teaching background, but he is a teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. He didn't come from a pure investment background, but he's owned real estate and been in the markets heavily and invested in a lot of different types of things, you know, and he, he's a financially minded person without being a financial person, if that makes sense, like, (laughs) absolutely. And and Mike's the one who's officially on the team, but let's not forget what he calls the secret weapon. And that is, (laughs) right. I know exactly. I, she um, is, she is amazing. She is bright. Um, creative, uh, an excellent teacher in her own right. And an excellent communicator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Mike and how he brings a different element to um, the team, Life Success Mm -hmm. Legacy team. And we are intentional about that. Mm -hmm. All of us have our different strengths, um, which can be a little dangerous because if you pull one of us away, there's no one that automatically (laughs) fills that role. We very much focus on our (laughs) unique abilities and things. And uh, what I'd love to do today with you is kind of give people an update. I think we probably did an interview maybe about four years ago. Yep. Uh, Milo would have been what, like? Three. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. Three at the time. And and so I'd love to do is kind of an update Mm -hmm. um, on uh, MC3. Uh, Yeah. We'll explain what that is. Um, And just talk about your role within Life, Success, and Legacy Mm -hmm. Um, your family and your IBC system, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of your experience as these things have gone. And specifically, I'd like to touch on policy design. Yep. So we will we will get away from a little bit of touchy feely stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pieces too. 
but um, you did something kind of unique with your parents' policies that I'd like to yeah. touch on as well. So Absolutely. I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this. Um, we are going to touch on a variety of things in talking mm -hmm. with, with Michael. Um, so first of all, you were talking about the uniqueness of what Mike Kwong brings to the team, but you it yourself bring a really unique set of skills mm. to life success legacy, which nobody else on the team can replicate. Right. So from your perspective, um, give, give our listeners a kind of a view as to what you see your value and what you bring to the team. And it, there's a, a, a lot of different things in that basket. Yeah. You know, when we talked about our unique abilities, and I kind of put Mike Kwong on the spot during the last interview, uh, you know, talking to him about his unique abilities, um, you know, sometimes I have a hard time honing in on mine, um, to be honest, because I feel like I have a lot of uh, vastly different abilities, um, maybe not all expertise, but different abilities. And my biggest ability, I think, is just I can, I understand how to to bring complicated things into the fold. And um, I'm, I love to research. I'm an investigator on uh, different things. If there's a topic that we need to find, to find out how to unravel, um, I'm usually the first to raise my hand, I think. Um, you know, You're I have a problem the patience solver for, for sure. Yeah, problem solving is definitely my, my unique ability if you were to nutshell everything into one. Um, you know, one of the things that I that I love about working with the team at LSL is <clears throat> I get to combine a lot of things that I enjoy. Tech, which I love. Um, teaching, which I actually do enjoy, because even though my background isn't that, when I was in the automotive field, I had to teach people or at least communicate to people complex ideas. Um, nobody cares about it. And I said this in the last podcast and I'll repeat it, but nobody cares what the timing belt does. They just need to know that it's there and that it works. <laughs> I had to try to explain to customers, you know, hey, this is an important aspect of your vehicle um, and bring it down to the you and me level, as Nelson would say. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I love to teach and IBC is such a powerful tool and we'll probably get to a little bit more about our family plan, but like, you know, all the things that um, that I get to do as what I deemed myself technical director, um, I I thoroughly enjoy each and every aspect. Every day is a new adventure. I rarely work on the same thing on a day to day basis. Maybe you know piecemeal things, but you know. Um, and then lastly, I've increased a lot of communications with clients lately, which has been really really fun. Um, as a, an additional teaching point outside of boot camps or webinars. Um, and uh, I've really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Yeah. You bring a lot of, of, of varied skills um, to the table. In fact, we've joked in the past, for those of you who are familiar with the old show, cheers about the bar, you know, where we would come, everybody knows your name. There was a uh, Cliffy on, oh. on cheers. who was the, the mail carrier and the dude knew facts about, everything so there are times when we go hey cliffy to crawford mm -hmm. <laughs> like because he just knows something about everything <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i i sometimes have a uh, tendency to overshare so yeah <laughs> how's, how's how's mary your wife feel about that you know when i told her that you guys call me cliff sometimes she goes i'm not sure if that's an compliment or an <laughs> insult um because if those of you who do know the show he was a bit of a a goof, you know, and maybe sort of made fun of a little bit on the show, but he was also a lovable character that um, really made the show 
pretty interesting. Well, I, I think it, it applies to the fact that you know something about so many different yeah. topics that, that from my perspective, at least. So, yeah. yeah. But to, to, to be honest with you, my wife always tells me to go talk to somebody else. She's not interested. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, bringing up Mary, let's transition just a little bit. Um, MC3. Yeah. Uh, you guys kind of self <laughs> self named your family MC3. Tell us what that means. Yeah. Well, when you know when Mary and I decided that we were going to have a child, like the question came up immediately because her name's Mary, my name's Michael. Her maiden name is Corcoran, so C, and my last name, um, you know, our last name is Crawford. So obviously, we were already MC2 to go into all of this. Mm -hmm. um, having a child seven years ago, the question was: Is would we name that child an M name? And for a very long time, we weren't going to do it. In fact, it wasn't until the day he was born, because he was three and a half weeks early, um, we didn't have a name picked out. And the, the, the doctor, not intentionally putting us on the spot, but at that moment, putting us on the spot, asked Mary or asked us if there was a name for Milo. And we were like, oh, gosh, um, <laughs> we have a few. Um, and, uh, Mary blurted out, he looks like a Milo and I was like, oh my Sold. gosh. and, um, it was on the list. It wasn't my favorite name. I want to be real honest. It's a crop for those of you who don't know, also named sorghum. And it is mm -hmm. a nasty, dusty, itchy. It's like getting insulation all over you with dust. It's awful. Um, so I didn't want to name him that because I hated crop. Uh, I hated it as a crop as a farm kid, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but, uh, it definitely has fit him. And so because of that, now we are MC3 or MC uh, cubed. So yes, yes. Yeah. It, it, when you said that, when she said he looks like a Milo, it took me back because um, <laughs> when we were working on names for Lily mm -hmm. um, and I was in a classroom teaching at the time and we had just gotten the very first pictures of Lily uh, who both of our girls are adopted from China. Mm -hmm. And um, Sean came up to the window. I told the students, I said, you know, work on your own or talk amongst yourselves. And and Sean's showing me the pic, the very first picture we've seen <laughs> of Lily, her dossier picture. And we had, same thing. We had talked about a variety of names mm -hmm. and she holds up, she says, doesn't she look like a Lily? Yeah. Same, same quote. And yeah. I was like, of course she does. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I don't, you know, I don't want to say it's a maternal instinct because I don't know how that works, but I'll tell yeah. you when she said it, I, there was no denying she was right. There was no discussion. It was, yes, that is it. That's it. I <laughs> and he's definitely the, been a Milo. Yeah. I wonder what the paternal instinct is. Maybe just to be an idiot. <laughs> that checks. <laughs> so. Okay. So let's talk about MC3 and let's apply it to IBC. Um, give folks some context as to your IBC plan, your strategy, yeah. your system of policies, and mm -hmm. kind of how you got started, how mm -hmm. you've applied it, how you've grown in your knowledge, mm -hmm. um, both you and Mary. Obviously, you do this for a living. Yeah. Mary doesn't, just like Sean doesn't, but right. they're very much a part mm -hmm. of what we do as a family system. Yeah, so, you know, Seven years ago, I got involved with Mike Everett. Um, Chris was part of Mike, but not a team yet. So I knew Chris, but, you know, outside of uh, just meetings and hanging out, I didn't, you weren't part of the direct team. So I dealt mostly with Everett to begin with. Um, you and I had a lot of good chats, but he wrote my first policy, my, Mary and my first policies. Um, and that was back in 2015. Um, 
And we started with just two $5,000 policies, one on each of us. And um, fast forward three years, it, you know, 2018 is when I think things finally clicked. Now, at that point, a lot had changed with the team. And I'll use that in air quotes, because at that point, we were actually functioning as a team. Um, it was um, Mike Everett, Chris Bay, Shelly Forbes, and myself um, at that moment. And um, <clears throat> Mary had gravitated towards Chris as a coach. And um, we tell our clients this all the time, you may jive with one or all five, now five of us um, on the team. Um, and we even have some ancillary agents or teammates that aren't mm -hmm. part of the direct team and think people like Jeff King, um, who you may gravitate towards as well. But like, she gravitated toward Chris because of the, the style of teaching that he was able to provide that you were able to provide for her. Um, and it was at that moment with during a meeting that things sort of you know, we always say, you you know, IBC is caught, not taught. Yeah. She caught it. She caught it. Yeah. And um, it, you know, it flipped our IBC plans right side up. And I won't say we were upside down, but we just really weren't utilizing them to their full potential because she had been a little hesitant. And that's OK. That's just how this works. Um, but that put us into overdrive. And, you know, we've been able to pay off a bunch of stuff. We um, 2019, we bought the house we currently live in because we had the capital to do it um so you know we still wonderful home i yeah, mean i think you. about milo growing up in that house yeah yeah the yard and the pool and the space and yeah. the neighborhood and it's just a fantastic family home it was a it was a big you know shift we didn't think we'd move out of the the neighborhood we were in but after having milo and really wanting him to be able to experience a, um, I'll say family friendly neighborhood and not that the other one wasn't, there just weren't a lot of kids. Um, yeah. excuse me. And so like for us, it was an opportunity to kind of give him what you just said, that sort of childhood home that he will remember and that will play an integral role in him growing up, um, for different varying reasons. Um, we did buy our first policy on Milo, as Chris stated, when he was three. So four years ago, we added that policy on him to get coverage, um, as well as to create that financial future for him, right? You know, and for those of you who have listened to that podcast, it's years and years ago. <laughs> but um, that podcast, I stated that he will probably never have to borrow from a bank in his life as we've continued to build this system. And that is still true because we've expanded um, this last year in 2021. Um, Mary and I both expanded our policies. Um, we bought two more $5,000 policies on each of us um, and a couple of term policies to add just that extra underlying buffer. And some of that comes in just as a team, our education level has gotten better, right? You know, whole life doesn't always, especially the way we design it, buy you as much death benefit as you probably need. And so the companies we work with allow us to buy what are called convertible terms. And for those of you who've listened to our podcast, this is all repeat, but, you know, in essence, it allows us to convert a part or all of that term policy into IBC style whole life um, without having to undergo additional underwriting um, requirements, which you know, is always a good thing because you never know if or when you would become uninsurable. <laughs> and well, so we, we personally went through that when back exactly. when we were in our 30s and Sean was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Had we had a convertible term, we yeah. could have converted it into an IBC policy whole life. Mm -hmm. But because we didn't have that convertible term in place, we had to go 10 years of mm -hmm. her being cancer free. Yeah. So it's it's a great, uh, great way to get additional death benefit yeah. and also that safety net. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, again, just as a team, we have become so much more aware of the bigger picture. And, and I'm not saying we weren't in the beginning, but I think just as you evolve as an organization and um, our customer client bases have grown at the rate that they've grown, we've learned a lot. And I think that those applications apply to all of our clients, but we're able to you know, really use them and, you know, kind of represent them personally as a team. And we do all the same things we teach our clients. That's what I also love is that there isn't a single one of us on our team that doesn't have either multiple policies and or multiple policies and term policies that we have for convertible use, you know? And so we, it's a, it's such a cool aspect. When we talk to our clients, we're not blowing them smoke. We're telling them, this is what we do. This is what we do. <laughs> Somebody asked us about like the 90-10 design. We're like, yeah, yeah it's possible, but yeah. none of us design ours that way. Nope. And here <laughs> are the lists of reasons, you know? Right. So, yeah, exactly. It's a, and so, you know, I mean, you know, in the seven years that we've been, um, you know, practicing, if you will, infinite banking, because it's sort of, it is a practice. You never, ex- you, you're never an perfect or an expert at it. It's always an ongoing process. And, um, you know, we've been able to pay off lots of outside debt and, you know, we've been able to turn the wind current and um, really just shift our financial picture from where we were seven years ago going into having a child because we bought our first policies when Milo was two weeks old, which is funny. Um, But we bought those policies and we did not have a clue whether or not they would work, honestly. And we were in such a tight financial scenario um, and landscape at that moment that it was, you know, it was something just to get from year to year. And looking back, it's sort of comical now that, you know, where we were to where we are and the, the ease at which we talk about money in our family is way different than it used to be. I mean, every first of the month I used to dread and I'm not saying that for the camera. I'm saying that for real. It sucked, you know, because it was stress, stress, stress. And don't get me wrong. There are still things that come up in life that stress you out financially, but I'll be honest with you. They, they hit me a lot less um, forcefully than Mm -hmm. they used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've experienced that as well. Um, that that stress and and when we started out with our policies it was a it was kind of a hail mary you know it was like i really hope this works yeah you know well, as you much guys as were my... a little older not that we're that much younger than you but i mean you felt like i think and not to, to flip the script but i think you guys were in a position where you had been doing something for so many years five six seven years whatever it was and you hadn't seen the fruits of those labors and you were like look we either go big or we go home right <laughs> I'm curious for you, um, I have a hunch on this, but as you were talking about changing the wind current on your Mm -hmm. debts, and you're talking about the stress in a marriage, Mm -hmm. and we all know that oftentimes finances jumps up to that number one position Mm -hmm. on on friction points in a marriage. Um, And that's one of the things that I love most about teaching IBC is watching people. And I'm thinking of a very specific couple that you probably know. I know exactly who you're talking about. They've moved to Florida. Hi guys. (laughs) And um, they're like, our, our marriage is totally different now. Unbelievable. Right? Yeah. And I'm curious for you, um, is there a specific debt, a specific liability that like, it may not have been the biggest number, but emotionally it was the biggest one that you were able to let go of? Oh yeah. My business loan um, was the, I mean, it was a, 
it was a rub point when we got engaged. Um, when she started really, when I pulled back the curtain on my finances at that time, um, I used, I owned an automotive business for those of you who don't know. And that loan was not the biggest thing in the world, but for a person in their late twenties, early thirties, it was huge. And, um, by the time we were able to pay that off, which came in the third or fourth year of our system, um, it was massive. Um, not the dollar amount that we paid off, but the disproportionately emotionally, it was, and also wind current wise. I mean, it was a mortgage payment basically, um, find a number wise monthly. And to Mm -hmm. be able to turn that into your wind current, you know, whenever we look at that, whenever we design things in our software, we always kind of like balance out. Okay. The balance of the debt versus the wind current amount, i.e. the monthly amount you're sending to another entity, we, we, we weigh those, right? Like sometimes yeah. it's better to push a debt that has a bigger number to the top because it has a higher monthly mm-hmm. outgoing amount that we can turn quicker. So it, when that happened for us, I really feel like there was this immediate, like, <sighs> like yeah. nothing was perfect, but it was definitely on the right track at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine <clears throat> that debt and just in talking with you and Mary and, mm-hmm. and you know, knowing <clears throat> you guys, that was an albatross. Oh, yeah. Just chasing you guys around in your well, relationship. And furthermore, it was actually a debt we owed to my parents, um, mm-hmm. which regardless of your relationship with your parents or your your person's relationship with their in-laws, um, mm-hmm. that is another rub point that even if it's a great relationship, which I feel like me and Mary have always had good relationship with my family, it, it you know, it still was one of those situations where by the, when we got rid of it, it was like, there was like hitting a home run, you know? I mean, we got, <laughs> we got all sorts of stuff off the table all at once. Snipping those strings, right? Yeah. Those strings well, that are attached. Gosh, you know, it's just one of those things you never want to owe. You never want to owe money to somebody for so long that it feels like you're never making traction. And on a business loan of the size it was and all the time, the thing that happened, the things that happened during the ownership of that business, yada, yada, it, it was, you're right. It was a major, like major thing. Huge relief. Yeah. So you brought up your family, obviously, yep. uh, because the loan was with them, which, which we are very much in favor of oh, yeah. family, family banking systems. Yes. Uh, in fact, I wrote a book about it, right? Yes, family banking with purpose. Um, and so we're very much in favor of that, that it can be a very beneficial thing. Right. However, you do want to be aware of those strings that can be attached. You yeah. want to teach it like a, you know, treat it like a real bank yes. loan, yes. documents, amortization, and, all those kinds yes, of things. And that was definitely something we had done. And I think that more than anything to revert back to like, you know, um, relationships between daughter-in-laws and mother and father-in-laws, like, I think Mary always had a different relationship with that money than I did. Because when I took it, I wasn't married or engaged to her. Um, And I had a goal, like it was a, it was a long-term goal for me at that time to own this business. And um, so, yeah, I think we had set it up right, but her coming in cold, so to speak, from the outside years into it after a recession, Mm -hmm. it was just rougher. Yeah. So um, talking about your family, Mm -hmm. um, your parents didn't jump on board with IBC right away, right? But um, they they were watching and they were listening, yeah. and you would have conversations, and eventually yeah. they they did um, actually start some policies. Yep. 
give some context to our listeners about kind of what their goals were mm-hmm. and then how that played out into actually how you planned and designed their policies. Yeah. So, you know, IBC is caught, not taught. So um, it took them a while to kind of get their mind around it. They were in a weird financial situation at that point too. Um, single income, uh, you know, not a ton of outside debt, but just kind of a weird financial picture before they jumped on board. Um, some things changed, um, inheritance occurred, and it opened up a few doors and avenues that um, I think shifted their mindset on how to manage money. And it immediately made them think of infinite banking, which was great. That 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 my my and they were, that I planted. They were never was good. spenders, right? No, 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 they were no. Were never no. big spenders. <clears throat> no, not at all. Um, you know, no. And so, uh, in fact, if they spent money, and still even today, is more on other people than themselves. Um, yeah. But the, the the it was a slow burn. But you also got to remember, like we talk to our clients um, and to other people who are potentially looking to be an agent with um, within you know, or uh, talk to people and teach people about infinite banking. That inner circle of people, your family and friends are the last resort. You don't go to them because the, the, A, that's a short well. You know, there's not enough of them to really sustain your agency, if you will. Um, but right. two, they are the people that if you are an outside salesperson, which I've been my entire adult life, um, they're sort of like looking at you as, oh, what's the new thing you're into now? Right. And for a lot of people, there have been some hesitation on IBC because of all the negativity. It also goes against everything we all got taught, you know, and, um, but yeah, by the time 2020 had rolled around, um, mom and dad were like, look, we're, we know we're woefully in, uh, you know, undercovered on life insurance. We don't necessarily need a lot because still to them, life insurance was to cover debts and that's it. They didn't mm-hmm. think of it as a potential asset or as an and asset, if you will, um, like we talk about. And so when they came to me to talk about it, there was not really a wind current. We couldn't even use our software, which made me sad. Um, but you know, um, we did design the policies a little bit different for my dad specifically. Um, part of the reason is A, he's a male. Uh, B, he's three years older than my mom, um, which put him into his early 60s at that time. And so, <clears throat> you know, when you think about life insurance is never cheaper than it was yesterday, um, right. you know, uh, his his financial picture at that time, they didn't need the cash right now. They needed to look at the long-term 10, 7, 10-year 10 picture. Um, and we'd even talked about doing a seven pay reduce paid up, which is another podcast. But like we had talked about all these different like ways to manipulate the life insurance policy to fit their financial picture. And, you know, you'll hear throughout all of our podcasts, if you're a loyal listener, um, is we talk about the 40-60 split, 40 in the base, 60% in the paid up additions rider. And we actually flipped those numbers for my dad's policy. Um, moms had actually worked out to be almost identical at the 40-60, so we left it alone. But for dads, we had switched it to the 60-40, which put a little more in the base, i.e. a little more death benefit up front. Um, but our goal was to get them to that seven to 10 year period of paying, pre- paying full premiums, not dropping the paid up additions, actually l- running it out for full seven years at the full premium amount, which was 12,000 on my dad and 10,000 on my mom. 
and then looking at reduced paid up on those policies because they would be in their 70s, you know, and right. looking at a different use for that dollar, right? You know, and so all that stuff that you can talk to us about if you really want to dive into it. But long and short of it was, is that we did design those policies different because of their financial picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had other clients who have chosen to design theirs differently like that. Yep. Um, again, we've talked about this before. Typically, we do the 40-60 split because it's a nice balance between early access to cash value and thinking long term. Yep. It's a nice, nice split between those two. Somewhere between, I know Mike Kwong likes the 50-50 splits, mm -hmm. right? Um, depending on the situation, a lot of the people that he works with, that 50-50 makes a lot of sense for yep. them. Um, but in your case with your dad, that 60% yeah. in the base, 40% in the PUA serve their goals. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And that's what it goes back to is what are the goals and the needs of the client? And mm -hmm. then we design the policy according to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were there any examples of how they used their policies? Did they take loans and use them? Did they do any family banking or anything like that? Or did they just kind of capitalize? Yeah. No, you know, the... The funny thing is, is that they started those um, policies in early 2020, I think. Um, yeah, no, maybe it was 2019. I don't remember. Either way, they started them just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, we have too many numbers in our head. Um, but anyway, <laughs> they, they, they started those policies and they didn't really have an immediate use for them again, which is just a matter of capitalization. We were looking at that seven to 10 year window at a possible, okay, at this point in time, things in your life are going to change. You're going to, you know, obviously potentially be working less. Dad had already retired, things of that nature. And so we were looking at that from a long-term goal perspective. Pay your premiums, run the course, make the money work for you down the road. They had talked about at that moment, um, you know, doing some family banking with my sisters or even potentially myself. And, um, you know, so they never really got a full chance to do a lot of that. And, and then unfortunately, dad did get sick at the end of 2021 and he, he passed away unexpectedly. Um, and so, you know, you think back to when you bought those policies and you were you were kind of chuckling. And I was a little bit like, you know, um, there's they're just going to run these out for seven years and take their cash and go on vacations or do whatever they were going to do, you know, and yeah, so. Yeah you know, for dad to have gone the way everything worked out, like, um, you know, it was under $200,000 death benefit. Again, you got to remember, we designed policies for cash value, not death benefit, right? But also, he was in his early 60s when he bought that policy and passed away at 63. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of time for capitalization. Um, right. However, right. you know, being in the position they were financially at that time, mom didn't have to have that money. But you know what? She was able to take that money and she's dang near finished remodeling her entire house with it. And with some help from her son. Me and my 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 cousin <laughs> actually has been the general contractor. But yes, you're right. I've gone down there quite a bit to help. Um, partially because I'm good at it, partially because I enjoy it, and obviously because it's my mom. And so, yeah. you know, um, you know, looking at how that all panned out, that wasn't what was hoped for. Um, yeah. but we turned lemons into lemonade by using that dollar to um, that they had put towards those premiums in order to do something good for mom that had not been done in a long time, you know, and fulfill a little bit of a dream that she'd had for 15 years of remodeling that house. And, um, you know, it, it was 
bittersweet, right? You know, to kind of see some of that happen, but it also gave us a lot of encouragement that she felt financially stable enough to do that without it really impacting the rest of her, um, you know, outlook. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah, it, it, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I think we're a little over uh, the year anniversary of your dad's passing. Uh, right? December 4th. December. Okay. Okay. Yeah. December 4th. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think about stories you've told about your dad, I obviously knew your dad, yeah. but, um, stories you've told about your dad and how, um, he was always helping other people mm -hmm. always. Uh, and then when you talk about your mom having the dream of 15 years of doing yeah. something to the house, <laughs> it's because he was busy helping everybody else all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he was weird. He liked it to mow a lot. Yeah. Um, he had a mowing business that never made any money. Um, it was just to mow whomever. My father-in-law is like that. Yeah. He mows for a lot of people, and I don't think he gets paid no. ever. <laughs> Dad never wanted paid. You know, he mowed for their church, which had a, you know, they live in middle of South Central Kansas. It was like a two-acre lot, you know. Right. So, I mean, bigger than your average, like, in-town church. But yeah. um, he had four and a half acres to mow. He mowed my grandma's lawn, which was an acre and a half. He mowed the pastor who lived an hour away, he would drive out there once a month to mow that for him, you know, or whatever. Like the neighbors didn't have a good mower to mow the ditch. So he mowed their ditches. Like just, I mean, it was kind of weird, you know, in terms of like, you look back at all the things he was doing for other people and you wonder how he had time to do anything else. <laughs> right, right. Not just work on the house, but let alone, you know, just function in his day-to-day, -day, you know, life. And <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, it's just one of those like, um, Mary and I talk about it pretty often, you know, um, just all the different memories. Um, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So I'm curious if, if I was to ask Mary, mm -hmm. um, what qualities of your dad <clears throat> does she see in you? Let's go with the positive ones. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, our well, spouses are good at pointing out the I other ones too. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the positive qualities um do you think mary would point out that, that you have taken on from your dad you know i think just really like i think hard work would be um one thing and that i'm really willing to tackle just about any project whether it's you know house or work or life um and you know dad was a learner he wasn't necessarily like um classically trained I'll use that term comically um he dropped out of high almost dropped out of high school did graduate um he went to college for a little bit but then after he got married and had me and needed a full-time job so he started working as a machinist for Boeing back in 1979 and worked there for 42 years and worked his way through the ranks as a machinist um but you know um one of the things that dad did that didn't dawn on us kids until after he had gone, I think, you know, and I think we knew it. He never took a management position and he could have made a lot more money doing that, you know, yeah. but he chose the position he had because a, he got to work um, third shift, which he loved, which he was crazy. He loved third shift. Um, <laughs> but second of all, he never missed a single one of our events. Mm. Same, you know, and as an, as a parent, I only have one kid, <laughs> but you know, 
that's a lot of work, you know, to do what makes you money throughout the day or night for his, in his, but he would sleep during the day. Right. So it was still an occupational hazard, so to speak. But how did he show up to all of our events? He came to school and helped out when we were kids. Like, what did you guys call them? Like uh, parents helping teachers or whatever it's oh, called. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he was there once a week for a long time when I was a kid, second, third grade. I remember it vividly. In fact, a friend, when he passed away, wrote me a letter Um, or she said that she remembered and it was cool. It was just cool to hear that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. You talk about your dad making that choice to work nights so he could participate in his yeah. kids activities. My dad was a truck driver for UPS his entire working oh, yeah. career. Yep. And, and I remember always, my mom always saying being quiet to be quiet during the day because yep. he was sleeping always. And, uh, and I, even to this day, I have a sense of walking through the house. And I'm like, Shh, <laughs> that, right. Like it's ingrained in me. Don't wake anybody up. Yep. Um, but I, he was at all of my sporting events. Yep. You know, I, I can't think of, and even in college, when I played college soccer and ran yep. track, they would come to those games too. And oh, yeah. um, it, it was a real commitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a, you know, and I'm not alone. Obviously your, your dad did that for you as well, but like, you know, it was one of those things that you didn't think about as a kid. You were just like, Oh yeah, that'll be there. Sure. You know, yeah, whatever. take it for granted. Exactly. And yeah. now as a parent, you know, um, watching my kids start sports at the age of seven and, you know, uh, getting involved in other activities it's really it's really kind of cool to be able to do that for him and yeah. go and again he won't and i'm not saying he doesn't appreciate it but he won't appreciate it i don't think until later in life and that's okay but it's just you look back at these things as you as you get older and you kind of especially after losing a parent you know you look and you reminisce about like wow you know there were there were so many little things that you sort of just glazed over and um yeah Good stuff. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks for going there, Mike Crawford. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, one of the things that I uh, greatly appreciate about you in your varied set of skills and qualities <laughs> and traits is that, yes, you are a technical guy. I can yeah. throw, we can throw math stuff at you. You're going to yeah. dive in and get after it, but you got a, you got a heart that's mm -hmm. this big. And, and Thanks, that's man. the thing that I, I appreciate greatly about you. So, yeah. Um, anything about the M MC3 group or anything else we've touched on that you want to add in before we wrap up? I don't think so. You know, uh, you know, I will say as parents of a child who's seven and trying to understand money, <laughs> it's been an interesting, Mary has to constantly rein me in because I'm like, well, we need to do it this way. She goes, he's seven. He doesn't understand that, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But, you know. I think, you know, it's been really interesting from my growing up, and we used to joke, Mike Everett used to say this at the beginning of every boot camp, he, go, he would always say, um, you know, your parents did a really good job of raising you, but they did a bad job at two things, one, sex, second, money, I can't help you with the first, I'll teach you about the second, and yeah. I remember it because I laughed at it every time, and I still laugh at it, um, and, and honestly, you know, and, and I've talked to my 
mom and dad even back before he passed like about that like look you guys didn't talk to us about money you taught us how to balance a checkbook and that's it that was garbage and so like you don't even write checks anymore (laughs) no no and like and the and the thing is is like i've tried so hard to i want to include milo but i don't have like a good foundation on how to talk to kids about that yet you know and it's just a trudging through learning from what you and sean did and you know, not learning from what Mike Everett did sometimes, you know, yeah, and he'll yeah. joke about that too. But like, right. you know, just, it's such an interesting thing, but that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, I think we've got a good handle on our policies and our strategy and what we want to do and our goals, what we want to accomplish. And now I just sort of want to take that to the next level and teach Milo to make sure that he's truly set up and understands how this works. Yeah. Well, you saying that, I'm going to do a quick shout out to our yeah. friend up in Canada, Winnie Lau. Yep. Um, she and her uh, daughter, Magia, who's in her 20s, have written a book. Mm-hmm. And um, it it's I don't think it's published quite yet. I don't yet, think so either, because it would be on close. our website. <laughs> and we're going to get it on our website. But yeah. I will tell you, um, I wrote uh, a foreword for her mm-hmm. and read the entire thing. And I will yeah. tell you, it made me, one, regret that my mm-hmm. kids are now 24 and 21, right? Yeah. I wish I could take them back and have done things differently yep. around money. Um, but it also inspired us to do some new things with our 21 year old yeah. and we've been experimenting and it has been fantastic to watch her growth and her ownership of money and all those kinds of things. So um, we will probably have a future podcast with Winnie yep. talking about that book once it's released. And yes. um, I'm guessing here, maybe within the next month, we'll we'll start digging into Mike Kwong's book, um, Dibs on Your Money. Uh, We've got some great resources for our listeners. Um, If reading is your learning style, we've got Mm -hmm. some some good things out there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael Crawford, thank you for taking time to uh, to jump on here. Um, It's fun connecting with you and and hearing the story and being a part of you and Mary's Mm -hmm. uh, journey. Yeah, thank you. I love getting to work with you on the team. Yeah, man. For our listeners, um, check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. We always give a plug. Please, if you don't have a, a Nelson Nash book, Becoming Your Own Banker, get yourself a hold of one of those. And then we've got lots of other learning styles as well. Whatever platform you're uh, taking this in on, give us a thumbs up, give us a comment, download, do all those things that Michael Crawford can tell you about that I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Catch us next time on our next episode of the Life Success Legacy Podcast. See ya.